Sunday, we're going to have a very uh, special guest be with us on top of all of those guests, um, uh, Chris Cummins. Uh, he pastors a church out in Idaho, and uh, he is a friend of mine. I grew up with him uh, and uh, from a real young age. In fact, I grew up, the church I grew up in was in South Bend, and uh, we grew up together there. And then uh, after I was here for a while, and he came, and he spent some time in ministry here, and uh, he was a member of New Life, and then he pastored a church down in southern Indiana for a time, and has since moved out to Idaho. But he's going to be back in town. We're going to be blessed by his ministry uh, next Sunday, and so looking forward to that, and his wonderful family, and his wife, uh, Shatera, has an incredible testimony herself of what God did in her body as uh, we saw a miracle that took place and uh, she is healthy and all of that now and doing a great work for God. But uh, we'll let God, we'll let them tell all of that next week. Amen. When they are here with us. Amen. There was one other thing before I just get into the word that uh, I failed to mention. I want to make sure I did. Uh, this Saturday, uh, this Saturday, there is going to be a, uh, a little going away party. Uh, Hayden Turnbow, who uh, we love and we hate the fact that he is going to be away from us for a time, but excited for him in the same sense that uh, he got accepted into uh, the IU Dental School uh, and is going to be heading off down to uh, Bloomington. And so we just want to invite you uh, to uh, the Turnbow's house down in Huntertown. Uh, this Saturday from 5 o'clock to 7 o'clock to celebrate Hayden. And he's going to be going down to Bloomington. That's all after the golf outing. All of that that's taking place this Saturday. Amen. I want to fail to mention that. Praise God. If you could, if you want to grab your Bible, we're going to go to the book of Micah. Book of Micah chapter 5. In Jesus' name. I believe that God has a word for us here today. And... We're going to go book of Micah chapter 5 and just going to read one verse here, a very simple verse, although it is um, a prophecy that plays a part. I'm sure you've heard this prophecy before. Uh, It is in Micah chapter 5 verse 2, it says, But thou, Bethlehem Ephratah, though thou be little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of thee shall he come forth unto me that is to be the ruler in Israel. Whose goings forth have been from of old, from everlasting. So the prophecy that uh, it plays that role within that Christmas story, the birth of Jesus. The prophecy that the wise men knew that would lead them to Bethlehem. That uh, the the scribe in the household of 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 Herod that said that. It's in Bethlehem that there would be a king that would be born. And that little city, that little town, out of that would come a ruler. One other verse in Matthew chapter 18, verse 20. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. There was a book that I read back in grade school. It was published the year I was born. It was written by Jane Yolen. The book is titled The Devil's Arithmetic. 
It's a story that's about a young Jewish girl who was named Hannah. And she dreaded hearing the stories that her family would tell every Passover Seder. That is, until she was brought back within this book. She was brought back in time to 1945 where she was suddenly brought right into the midst of a Jewish concentration camp located in Poland. That's where she would find herself fighting for her survival. She finds some friends who eventually are ripped away from her and they are killed there in that concentration camp. And every day for her became a struggle, but it was something that she called and she termed the devil's arithmetic that kept her alive. See, the devil's arithmetic referred to the idea that everyone, that for every one person who died instead of you, that was one more day that you had to live and one less chance that you would be taken to the gas chamber. It was an addition problem that was, she says, de- designed by the devil. And she counted each day that she was alive and As long as she was able to survive, as long as she was able to get past one more day, that was the devil's arithmetic. See, the Holocaust, such a despicable atrocity in the history of human civilization. We had close to six million Jews that were put to death in concentration camps across Eastern Europe. And every day for them was a fight for survival and As the character of this novel so aptly describes, it was the devil's arithmetic that they were barely able to get by. One day at a time, they could hardly survive, but as long as they made it through the day, then they were thankful for it. See, but I'm afraid that the devil's arithmetic has made an appearance in God's church. I'm afraid that The devil has convinced some people in God's church to believe that you are just barely going to make it past today. He wants you to believe that you have no power. That you have no choice but to fold because of the circumstances that you are facing. He wants you to believe that you don't have what it takes to have revival. To see what God used to be doing in your life come back to, uh, to, to fruition in your life. See, the devil's arithmetic is telling you that you, that we don't have enough people here in our church to, to really make an impact. He's, he's saying your church is too small. Your youth group is too small. Your ministry is too small. That's the Sunday school classes. It's, it's too small. He, he's trying to convince you that, that if you don't have a pedigree in Pentecost, then you're never going to make it. See, the devil's arithmetic. We'll try to get you to, to focus on just barely making a pass today, but you know, you're not really gonna make it much further. You're, you're, you're barely scooting by right now, and the day is coming when he's gonna scoop you up and he's gonna eat you for lunch. That's what the devil wants you to believe. He wants you to believe that you have no future. What if you could just look at your neighbor right now and tell them, The devil is not very good at math. He may be good at 
convincing you that he knows what he's talking about. But I'm telling you today that the devil's arithmetic does not add up in God's eyes. So I want to just speak here for just a short time here today about not the devil's arithmetic, but God's arithmetic. Let's look at what God has to say. See, I, I want to take a look just at, at what happened when 120 people joined together for a prayer meeting one day in an upper room in the book of Acts. It's when the day of Pentecost was fully come that they were all with one accord in one mind in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. And it filled the house where they were sitting. One of there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire and it sat upon each of them and they were filled with the Holy Ghost and they began to speak with tongues as the Spirit gave them the utterance. And there were dwelling at Jerusalem Jews who were devout men out of every nation under heaven. Now when this was noised abroad, the multitude came together and they were all confused because every man heard him speaking in his own language. See, these people, they were amazed. They thought that these individuals in the prayer meeting were drunk and said, Peter stands up and he begins to explain to the crowd that these are not drunk as you suppose, but that they are filled with the spirit of God that was prophesied uh, by the prophet Joel when God said I will pour out my spirit in the last days and your sons and your daughters will prophesy and this is that which was spoken of by that prophet and then he begins to tell them that they were sinners for putting God putting Jesus to death and now they need it to be to be justified and to be restored unto God and they said what do we need to do to be saved and so Jesus or so Peter stands up and he says repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And it goes on to say, remember, this is from 120 people who had gathered together. It says on that day uh, that with many other words did he testify and exhort saying, save yourselves from this untoward generation. And they gladly received his word. They were baptized and the same day were added about 3,000 souls. See, I'm tired of hearing the devil's arithmetic telling me that I don't have what it takes and that we are too small to have real revival and that there is no way that I can truly have the impact that I believe in my heart that I can't, you know, that we could have. But when we see here that there were 120 people meeting together for a prayer meeting and it impacted 3,000. The 3,000 people would receive or would be baptized that day and receive that spirit, the same spirit that they had received there in that upper room. Well, that is God's arithmetic. God would say that if you have faith and you couple that faith with prayer, that anything is possible. 
God's arithmetic looks at 120 people and he sees some room for growth and he says, come on, you 120 people, let's get busy baptizing because I have 3,000 people who are ready to be added to my church. See, don't have your eyes set on the number that you see right now. Instead, let's put on some God, some, some of the same vision that God would have where he sees the exponential growth that would take place and he can, wants to use you to accomplish that. And let's allow God to begin to do the arithmetic for us, which it may not add up in our mind, but 120 becomes 3000 pretty quickly when God is in control. See, 120 people gather together in an upper room. Long before that, there was a man named Abraham who tells us he physically walked by faith simply because God had told him that there was a land that would be given to him and his family. The problem was that his family consisted of him, his wife, and his nephew. And yet God told him that someday his descendants would outnumber the stars that he could see in the sky. I can just imagine Abraham... At 80 years old, wondering how God's promise of this huge family really added up to reality when he himself had no children. Because reality was, him and Sarah are too old to begin to start this promise that God had given to him that his family would outnumber the stars in the sky and the sands and the sea. Saying, God... I can multiply things all right. And all I know is that zero times zero is still zero. And I'm 80 years old and I have zero kids. And I don't know what's going to happen here. And zero times anything is zero. God, you can. I'm 80 years old. But God's saying, Abraham, keep walking by faith. Keep walking by faith. Keep believing. You may not have kids right now, but at 99 years old, I'm going to give you a son. And you're going to name that son Isaac. And that one son is going to have twins. And they're going to be named Jacob and Esau. And Jacob is going to have 12 sons. Who they become the 12 tribes of Israel. And all of a sudden what looked impossible to an 80 year old man with no children becomes a testament to God's arithmetic. Because God doesn't look at the size of a family to determine... The destiny of that family. He can look at something that looks impossible. Something so small and seemingly insignificant. And if he just breathes life into it. Then God can do the impossible. God's arithmetic would say, you, you just give me the, you just, you just keep on holding on to faith and believe that I can do it. And you do your part, which is to, which is to pray and to be faithful. And as long as you're praying, as long as you're faithful, then I'll do my part. I'll do my part. See, the results really are up to God. The result, we do our part, but As far as the results, that is up to God. And when God has control and he wants to open up the floodgates of heaven, he can do that at any time. And God's arithmetic, it may not make sense to us, but he is able to begin to pour out his spirit and and, and do it in whatever capacity that he sees fit. See, there's not much more that God loves more than a situation that looks impossible. 
And then God begins to get to work. God begins doing work on his people's behalf. Not so that we can get the glory, but so that he can get the glory. <laughs> when I think back on, on situations in, in the Old Testament, there's so many of them where it, it looks so impossible. It looks so impossible for, for this thing to happen. And one of, one of my favorites is this story that comes in, in 2 Kings chapter 7. And, and you have the city of Samaria that's under siege and... And the Syrian army is there and instead of just attacking them by force, they've surrounded them and they're, they're trying to starve them out. And, 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 and you know, the first week it's, it's not too bad, but then the next week and the next week and finally they're, they're there. They have no food. They have nothing, no supplies, nothing there. And, and, and the people, the, the Syrian army is surrounding them, but uh, there's outside the city are four lepers, four guys that they have leprosy and they're in there. Their camp outside the city where, and they're, they're really not allowed to go into the city because they have leprosy. And, and yet that, that is somewhere where they would go and they would at least uh, on occasion have to go and get some food from the city. And they themselves are starving. And they finally make up in their mind. They, they see the situation that's, that's there. And, and these four leprous men, in fact, we'll just read it, what they did. In 2 Kings chapter 7, verse 3, it says, These four leprous men were at the entering end of the gate, and they said one to another, Why sit we here until we die? If we say that we will enter into the city, then the famine, it's in the city, and we're going to die there. If we just stay here, we will also die. Now therefore, let's come, and let us fall unto the host of the Syrians, And if they save us alive, we shall live. And if they kill us, we shall but die. They're going to go to the enemy army and say, perhaps they'll give us some food. So these four leprous men rose up in the twilight to go into the camp of the Syrians. And when they were come to the uttermost part of the camp of Syria, behold, there was no man there. For the Lord had made the host of the Syrians to hear a noise of chariots. And a noise of horses, even the noise of a great host. And they said one to another, Lo, the king of Israel has hired against us the kings of the Hittites and the kings of the Egyptians to come upon us. Wherefore, they arose and they fled in the twilight and they left their tents and their horses and their donkeys, even the camp as it was. And they fled for their life. And when these lepers came to the uttermost part of the camp they went into one tent and they did eat and they drank and they carried in silver and gold and raiment and they went and they hid it and they came again and they entered into another tent and they carried this also and they went and they hid it you see when God's people find themselves in a pinch he can take four dying men and turn up the volume of their footsteps until it sounds like a whole army of chariots and horses that's rushing toward the enemy and the enemy gets scared out of its mind And it takes off because God's arithmetic says that four leprous men plus God equals an army that the enemy doesn't have a match for. So what kind of army is this? Well, one chapter earlier, 
We read about Elisha's servant who was scared out of his mind because he was there with Elisha and they themselves were surrounded by an army and they were about to be captured. And Elisha prayed a prayer and he said to his servant, Fear not, for they that be with us are more than they that be with them. And the Lord opened up the eyes of the young man and he saw. And behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire round about Elisha. This is God's arithmetic. He says, you may look outnumbered, but I've got an army that's backing you up. I've got an army. You're going to need to fight some battles, but you're not alone in the fight. You have God on your side, and as long as God is on your side, you're never outnumbered. Well, the enemy may have you feeling like you're all backed into a corner right now but if you but you have God on your side and don't you forget that as long as God is on your side that corner that you're backed into is not going to uh, to win the day you're not going to get be, be defeated there in the corner God is here with you God is beside you God's coming coming to to your rescue I know that God is able come on you just keep having faith and believing don't believe the devil's arithmetic that would tell you you're only going to barely get through this next day you're barely going to make it no God says that I'm fully able and he's with me come on I don't have to doubt one second that God is going to back me up and that God is right here with me the prophet Micah he's the one who prophesied that, that little town of Bethlehem that out of it would come the great, the greatest ruler in Israel. Bethlehem, you may be little, but something big is about to happen in your city. You may seem inconsequential right now, but out of you is going to come something that's going to change the world. There were, there were those that after or as Jesus' ministry was taking place, that those that when they heard where Jesus came from, they said, has there ever been anything good that's come from Galilee? Has there ever been anything good? Bethlehem, this little tiny town. Has there ever been anything good that's come out of that little place? See, God's not worried about the size of things. God's not worried about what others may perceive it as. God's not worried, come on, about your past. God's not worried about uh, all the things that, that you carry into the situation. As long as God is with you, there is, or there is uh, you know, no way that the devil is going to win the day. Because greater is he that's in me than he That is in the world. And when God starts doing math. He can take something small. And make something great out of it. It was on May 12th. 1942. That President Roosevelt signed an order. That was creating a secret project. Called the the Manhattan Project. The task. Of this project. was Was to create an atomic bomb. Never before had such a bomb been created. But it was under the direction of the United States Army Corps of Engineers that merely three years later, the first atomic bomb was detonated. 
It's difficult to comprehend how an atomic bomb can generate so much power, especially when considering the size of an atom. An atom is so small that if you were standing on a beach and you picked up one singular grain of sand and you closely inspected that one grain of sand, there likely are more atoms in that one grain of sand than there are grains of sand on that beach. Yet, in an atomic bomb, splitting one radioactive atom produced enough power that when the first bomb was dropped, its explosion created a crater which measured nearly 2,400 feet across, and it was equivalent to about 20,000 tons of TNT. See, the book of Acts 1, 8 says that you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses to me both in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria to the othermost parts of the earth. And that word power comes from the Greek word dunamis, which is the same word by which we get dynamite. And you may feel today like just a little bitty atom. And maybe you're here today and you just can't picture God ever really using you to do anything great in his kingdom. Maybe you can't really picture God doing anything great in your life. But it doesn't matter your size. It doesn't matter if you don't have a pedigree. It doesn't matter what any, it doesn't matter anything about who you are. I believe that God, when he fills you with his spirit, it makes anything possible. Because you have the power of the Holy Ghost. You have Holy Ghost power. It's the same spirit that was in Christ Jesus that raised him from the dead. That he said, I will pour into you and that you would receive that same spirit. And you today have an opportunity to go through life with that same spirit that was in Christ Jesus. And we today, come on, have anything possible as long as we live according to the spirit and we live with faith believing that God is able amen I'm bringing this to a close here quickly I just want to tell just one one other story it's a, I know you know it but it's, it's Gideon we see him in his is uh, an, an army that's coming against the the Israelites and God raises up a man named Gideon who he himself thought he was a nobody he was scared he was hiding out. In fact, when God sent an angel, he was hiding. Uh, and, and, and God brought this angel and said, you are going to be a great general in the army. He said, me? I'm not even in the army. I don't know what you're talking about. I think you've got the wrong guy. But God says, no. Gideon, I want to use you to bring myself some glory. And when Gideon began to do things God's way. See, Gideon, he could have heard the decree from that angel and, and, and said, all right, I'm going to go. We're going we're gonna to get all the army and all the troops around. And that is how he started. But then God began to say, let's whittle away at this army. It's because it's not by your power or your might. It's by my power. 
And they began to whittle this army down. And, and they had eventually just 300 men in the army that would go against these great Syrians who were come on, coming against them. Thousands upon thousands of them. Battle-tested army. And there were 300 that God said, I'm going to use them. 300. See, God's arithmetic is such that he will use the fewest to do the greatest things. I want you to know that God has placed you right where you're at today to make an impact in your world. When you, you touch you touch people and, and you're an influence in, in people's lives that nobody else in this church is going to be able to influence those same people that you can. God has placed you in a mission field right where you're at for you to make an impact. God has given you a mission field. Well, maybe it's maybe it's your neighborhood where you live and 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 that's you know, that's, that's the people that, that you're around, that you, that you have relationships already built with them, or God's calling you. You know, perhaps it's, it's where you work, and, and your workplace is your mission field. God's called you to, to be a, a missionary everywhere that you go, and you may say, you, me? I'm a nobody. I don't have the right words to say. I, in fact, I stumble over my words all the time. I'm an introvert. There's somebody else who would have all those same excuses. His name was Moses. And God used him to lead the people out of Egypt. And all the same excuses. You had the disciples of Jesus that they say, what are we going to say when we go to, to talk to people and tell them about you? He says, don't worry about that. I'll give you the words to say. The Spirit will give you the word, the right words to say when the time comes. Well, God has placed you, and in God's arithmetic, you may just be one individual, but that one individual, you can have a a tremendous impact in the kingdom of God. See, God is able to do anything. God is able to do anything. And through you, God wants to bring revival. Through you, God wants to reach somebody else. And and don't, don't worry about reaching the thousands. Let's just reach the one. You've probably heard this story before of the little boy who was walking down the seaside and he, he kept seeing these starfish that were laying there and he would pick one up and he'd throw it back into the water. And the man comes up and he says, why are you doing that? There's thousands of them here. What difference can you really make for all these starfish that have been washed up on the shore? And he picks, the little boy bends down again and he picks one up and he throws it back into the water. He says, I made a difference for that one. There may be thousands out there and it may look like, it may look like, how can I truly ever make an impact? But you never know. Just reach for one. Let God, let God do the, the, the great, the great works. But as far as we're concerned, go on, just, just reach for the one. Just reach for one. God, you never know the impact that that one is going to make. You never know the impact that that one person is going to make. I saw it in our youth group when I was youth pastor here that quiet Shelby. She invited one friend and she, she may be introverted, maybe there's 
not maybe, she was definitely the quietest one in our youth group, and she invited a friend, and that friend began coming, and by that one invitation, we saw that Jenna came in, and she was the opposite of quiet, and she invited everybody, and, and we saw incredible things, and she's awesome, awesome young lady, lives over in Ohio now, but still doing a great work for God over there, and, and we saw the impact of just one. Amen. You reach somebody else, and they begin to reach somebody else, and they begin to reach somebody else. You see, you see the, the ripple effect begin to take place. Amen. I wonder right now if we could just all stand right in this place. And sometimes we think less of ourselves than we ought to. Instead, God is saying, I want to do something great in you. The devil will try to tell you, you're barely making it. You can't do anything. If you have the Holy Ghost inside of you if, you, if you have a desire to do a work for God, then anything is possible. Amen. Let's, let's live on mission. Let's, let's allow God to use us. If we could just lift up our hands all around this place. I want us just to pray. Amen. God, if you can use anything, God, would you use me? There's, there's anything, God, that I can do for your kingdom, Lord, I pray, Lord, that I would be your mouthpiece, God, that I would try to impact those that are around me, God, that I would bring up conversations about what you're doing in my life and, and tell, tell somebody about, God, the wondrous works that you have done, God, that I, I can, Lord, have a, a just maybe just a minimal impact, but God, who knows, who knows truly, God, what you want to do. God, for your arithmetic, God, it's beyond our wildest imagination. God, I pray that you would help me, Lord, to, to not be scared and not be, uh, Lord, of, scared of, of telling others about this wonderful message, Lord, of salvation. God, there are thousands upon thousands, millions upon millions that they need to hear this gospel message. God, let us play our part about walking by faith. God, by speaking words of truth. Amen. As we just close this, this service here today in worship, just lift up your hands. Would you just pray here in this place?